This is the Era of Alpha podcast. Famous quote by Abraham Lincoln. Give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. And that's what we're here to do, gents. We're here to sharpen ourselves and make ourselves better men. Welcome to the Era of Alpha podcast. Outstanding. Right on. Yep, I'm all about sharpening the axe. Better to work smarter than harder. Episode one. Episode one. So uh, just so everybody that's today can understand who's here. Hi, I'm Tom Dillon. We also have Bill Jarbo, Jason Sapp, and Randall Burris in the house. What's up, guys? How are you guys feeling? I spent the evening hurting cats. No, how are you feeling? No, like li- literally, how are you feeling? Jason. I'm doing great. I'm feeling great. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. If that were only a feeling, Bill, how are you feeling? Uh, man, I'm feeling pretty good right now, actually. Man, you guys are lousy. Listen. Look, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, I am frustrated. I am tired. And I'm ready to talk about some stuff. Let's do this. Alrighty then. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are right. awesome. So, so let's let's talk about what this podcast should mean to people. How about we do that first? Sounds good. How about right um, we just all give our own little spiel on what's important for our perspective on what this podcast is all about? I like that I, idea. I nominate Thomas to go first. Oh, nominate me to go first. Okay, so when it comes to why I am here. I've been through a lot in my life. So as I posted on my Facebook the other day, I've been to a lot of places and in those places I've done a lot of things and I deal with a lot of things from those places. Um, so for me, I'm here to, it's here to help people get rid of self doubt and, you know, realize their self value and worth and feel to learn to truly appreciate themselves because, you know, you'll never feel appreciated by anybody else until you can appreciate yourself. So that's, that's why I'm here. Bill, you're next since you nominated me first. Mm, dang, man. I knew, I knew you were going to do that. So um, I'm here because um, men don't really know how to be intimate with our women. And uh, I want to be the guy that kind of breaks that facade saying that we can't be intimate uh, because uh, these four men that I'm here with tonight are uh, three men that I'm here with tonight. Uh, I do get intimate with. Uh, and they are teaching me how to be more intimate with my family and uh, especially my kids and wife. So it's been a real difficult road for me to like love myself. So if I can't love myself and then I can't love my family as much as I should. So uh, I'm here to, you know, help you walk through that and try to find your own voice inside your family. Do you rub your wife's feet tonight? My wife is no longer here. <laughs> Oh, let's correct that. Your wife is not home at the moment. She is not home at the moment. She is in Gulf Shores. <laughs> My wife is no longer here. Whoa. No, I was like, wait a minute. That just got deeper real quick. Yeah, real quick. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, getting deep real quick is kind of something, you know, when talking about intimacy, but, you know. Outstanding. In your closet? Did you hide her in your closet? Is that- <laughs> Randall, you're up, buddy. Uh, okay, so, yeah, I'm not good at these things. Um, why are you I would here? say, okay, so the reason why um, that I connect with other men is because uh, a few years ago, um, I had an affair, and majority of that was because 
um, I didn't know exactly. I didn't have men in my life to point me in the other direction or a right direction. And so I, um, uh, man, I, I grew up, uh, really, uh, the good, the good boy, um, always putting my face first, the face. There's a reason we call you faith. (laughs) And, um, and I charm my way through all, all the, all the things. And so, um, yeah, so my wife had caught me in the affair and, uh, after that, I had um, went to counseling and all that. And, and then after that, it came into like during the whole counseling and all that was, hey, I need to find a community of men um, who, are, um, who, who would make me better, but also are in the same trenches where I'm at. And, uh, and then that's where, you know, EEC came in. Uh, and then that's where the advance, uh, advance came in. And that's where all the brothers in there and we, you know, there's just like a big pack of men who are uh, increasing or are, are, are just, you know, uh, building a, a stronger relationship with each other. So I feel like building what we're doing here is the foundation of, of building that trust, building that relationship uh, within, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm really terrible at this guys. I really am. So you're doing a pretty good job. You're okay. here to build better men by speaking about experiences with there we relationships. Go. Right on. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Jason. Bam. Boom. I, I tell you, I'm super excited about what we're going to be doing with this podcast and, and my purpose and my my vision for where I want to dive into my perspective and sharing my story um, is simply to really kind of create the ability for men to re reestablish their identity of what men are supposed to be in our culture and in our society. So much has been lost through generational issues and struggles from abuse from our fathers to abandonment by our fathers to where we've got a generation of boys that don't know how to be men. And, and for a good chunk of my life, I was in that category too. So for me, I see this as an opportunity for us to link arms as men to be men to be the man of our home, to love our wives the way we're supposed to love our wives and to raise our kids the way we're supposed to raise our kids, to be brothers the way we're supposed to be brothers for each other and to build community in a way that will foster a manhood that adds value to our culture as a whole. That's what I'm all say about. Can I, can I get an amen? I was going to yes. say this. Yes. Can I, can I get an amen? amen? Holy cow. You stole the words out of my mouth. Yeah, man. Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're going to elect Tom as our singing of the quartet here. You're going to yeah. be the only the solo singer here of the, of the four of us. I don't know why I've been singing so much tonight, guys. I'm sorry. You're it's good. all good, man. All right. So uh, we kind of got why we are here. I mean, we're here to yeah. make better men. We're here to help. I mean, not only help ourselves by talking out our issues, but hopefully other men around listening to us are going to hear us talking about our stuff and realize they need to talk about their stuff too to make themselves better men. And right I'm telling I will tell you all right now, anybody that's listening out there, this is not just a touchy-feely man thing. We're going to have some fun here. Um, you know, once we start getting into our backgrounds, you're going to be like, oh, these dudes are legit. Like, this ain't just some some soft, snowflake-looking guys who... We're just laying a foundation. We just want to <laughs> talk about our feelings. Nope. We, we're definitely not going to just talk about our feelings. Okay? No, nah, man. We're going to have a good time. I mean, you guys can't see us, but we're all hanging out right now drinking a beer. Well, just- Bill, Bill, you're hanging out in your closet, so... Hey. Hey man, it's, it works. You know, 
It works. <laughs> it's, it's the best sound in the house, you know. Hey, who who else went around their house and found out who had the best sound in their room, huh? Those are pretty diligence, brother. You do diligence. That's what you gotta do. <laughs> Is that a pair of ugly stuff behind you, bro? A pair of what? <laughs> uh, boots? Like No, these are my wife's Tevas, actually. Tevas. No, yeah. man. There's some upscale Tevas, bro. Yeah, dude, they are. <laughs> Your wife's gonna hate that you showed those on this on this podcast. Those are her hiking boots. Okay, Tom. Tom, where are you from? Where you? Where you? Where you? Where you? Uh, be podcasting at tonight? Uh, I'd be podcasting from uh, Mentor, Ohio, which is a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio. Born and raised. Go Browns. Um, as I said, I've been in a lot of places, though. Uh, this just happens to be the place I call home, and not just home because this is where I was raised, but this is home in my heart. So, no, I'm not moving to Denver with you two. <laughs> <laughs> Right on, right on. Hey, Bill, where are you chiming in from for the podcast? Um, I like Tom. I've been through. I've been to a lot of places as well. Um, for, originally from Owensboro, Kentucky, but tonight I'm coming to you from South Carolina. This is where I decided to settle down with my family. This is the first place I've been able to call home since the army. So it's been pretty cool. Outstanding. Hell yeah, nice. Randall. What about you, buddy? I hail from the great state of Georgia. Yeah, where you, where you that's where I'm from. I've uh, been in Denver, Colorado for the past 13 years. I now reside in Florida at the moment. I'm sorry. I know, right? <laughs> what about you, It's Jason? always like the Florida man dies, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, well, the Florida man lit yeah. an alligator on fire and then stabbed his ex-wife with a rusty spoon. <laughs> you know, something like that, right? <laughs> yep, always. <laughs> where you at, Jason? Uh, I am chiming in today from New Braunfels, Texas, a small community uh, just north of San Antonio, Texas. And like many of you guys, I've also traveled the world a few times, been around a a few blocks, so to speak. Um, But uh, this has been home for the last seven years. And um, yeah, it's going to fix it to be changing as well. But uh, that's where I'm homing in from tonight. Right on. Stuff. So we got a kind of a decent spread across the country here. We got three. We do and one in texas texas yeah don't mess with texas you'll get the steers and the queers and the horns of the bulls (laughs) 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 sorry i don't know what just happened there it's all good (laughs) drink some more of that jameson actually i'm out so that was the last drink and i gotta work in the morning so you know whatever it is what (sighs) yeah it's what it is yeah all right so so how about we go with randall I'm going to call you out for the first you know, about your upbringing and, you know, some of the shit you've done with your life and why you're here to talk. Oh, oh. Dig deep, bro. Um, upbringing. So I grew up in the church, um, very, uh, at a young age. My dad was a Lutheran. My mother was a Pentecostal woman and, uh, they never got along. Um, he was, uh, uh, he was a vet. He was in he was in Vietnam. Served his uh, term there, and uh, was in the army for about twenty years. I was a military brat, and uh, got in, uh, got, or got grew up in all that. And um, I eventually, like you know, uh, about eighteen, nineteen years old, started kind of going my own way. 21 years old, I sold my washer and dryer to move to Denver, Colorado, went to Denver, Colorado, and like 
totally things just like like blew up um blew up in a sense of like a whole new culture change um stuff like that so um i was married before um and i had uh that marriage crumbled long story short just crumbled we'll talk about that later um and then i moved back to georgia married my wife who is my wife now um and we had been married for a while and uh lo and behold um it was my turn to screw up a marriage <laughs> so so um so i did i screwed up the marriage and um again like i said I, I had an affair and at the meantime like i was actually like serving in the ministry in like in ministry so like, like what were you doing um, in the ministry i was actually a pastor and so like like serving as a like not senior pastor lead pastor but a pastor in the church and so um in the middle of that like i was able to charm my way through like i was able to like compartmentalize everything to where i could turn on the pastor you know i could i could pull that out and then slide that back in and then all kinds of stuff so I was, I was doing that and, um, my wife had caught me up and we told, she left, she left with all the kids. Um, she wasn't coming back and she made an ultimatum, uh, and said that if you don't get counseling, it's over. And so that's when we started a three and a half year intensive counseling. Um, and through that whole process, um, there was restoration involved. There was a, re a resurrection involved. But in the meantime, like my whole mind shifted because of how I grew up and my upbringing as, as, a, as a believer and how that I was able to like, it was like this form of uh, self-righteousness, just like, like I was able to, to get on the level playing field with everybody else. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That you know, so like I was able to like, you know, I wasn't on this high plane, like better than everybody. Uh, I used to feel that way. I used to think that like I was better than like, but now I'm on this level playing field. Like, oh yeah. Um, me too. I've been exactly where you're at, you know, that kind of thing. So here tonight in, in, on our podcast, I feel like there might be some men here that I just need to say me too. I've been where I've been in your shoes. I know exactly uh, where you're at right now, as far as compartmentalizing your life and you're about to screw your life up. You know, you just, you just got into your car uh, or, or you just, you just arrived home from work and you've been in your car for 10 minutes and you're trying to figure out how to go inside your house, <laughs> you know? that kind of thing like me too i know how that feels so um other than that like yeah there's full restoration um uh, we'll talk about that later on how that happened and like how it can happen uh for you and all that kind of good stuff and for everybody else on here so okay so let's get a little bit of profile here what's your favorite food favorite food shit um i'd say Hot wings, Italian, Italian wings, Italian hot wings. I don't know. <laughs> um, hot wings. Cargo. What? <laughs> I think he said escargot. I no. said favorite cargo. 
Oh, favorite car. Go. Yeah. Oh, favorite car. Uh, I would say Dodge Ram 2500. Jason, what's your question? Oh, come on. <laughs> um, what's your favorite hobby? Mark going with you guys? <laughs> and that's where this all started. Just to clarify, if you guys have not ever heard of the app Marco Polo, um, it is a video messaging app. We are not getting paid by Marco Polo to talk about it. But <laughs> changed our lives because that's how we communicate every day, all day. Yep. And uh, it's kind of changed the way I communicate with people because it's great. Right on. Yep. Canoeing. Canoodling? Canoodling, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, canoeing. <laughs> <laughs> so he likes Italian hot wings. He likes the 2500 he, he Dodge Ram. And he likes canoodling. Okay, now we got Randall. Who's next? All right, I'll, let me let me share a little bit of my my background. Then I'll, we'll start there, and then we can hop into the uh, the easy twenty questions of uh, my favorite stuff. Uh, for me, my background um, essentially grew up po, and uh, youngest of five kids. So for me, I was the uh, the ultimate hand me down. I got all the hand me downs you could possibly get. Um, and before, uh, gosh, I was, for many years, there were times where I was, you know, my bed was an extra piece of carpet on the ground. Um, and so we just, uh, grew up in life and we did the best we could with what we had. And, and for me, it was also an extremely dysfunctional family. Um, and so that just caused a lot of struggle and hardship for me going up through all the way through high school, to be honest with you. And I just kind of resented everybody and everything and wanted to be my own way and do my own way, which didn't work too good. Hmm? Where'd you grow up? all over the place. So I was actually born in the Los Angeles, California area. We also grew up a little bit in Mesa and Phoenix, Arizona, back to LA, back to Phoenix, back to LA. And then when my parents divorced when I was five, we uh, relocated to the Dallas, Texas area. And that's kind of more or less where I grew up uh, through high school. And so for me going from high school, um, I did odds and end jobs and all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, traveled the country to um, open movie theaters with the company I used to work for. And all along, knowing full well that I wanted to enlist in the Army, um, finally did so at 24 years old. So I enlisted in the Army, went that route, ended up serving two tours in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom in 03, 04, and 06, 07. Um, and so in the midst of all of that time frame, shortly after I enlisted is when I met my wife. And so we have been married now over 16 years. And so that story definitely is entangled in a lot of hardship in and of itself, aside from the military aspect of it and the deployments. I remember first five years of our marriage, I was gone for three and a half of it. So there was a good struggle with that. And my wife and I, we had kids early on. So we've got two daughters, uh, they're teenagers now. And uh, so, yeah, there's the, the hardships of, of life and military service definitely brought its own hardship within our family. And uh, the trauma that I struggled with from the war came home uh, There's no way I could leave it in the in the desert, right? And so that uh, drastically affected who I was as a person. i be honest with you, I lost my identity in it all, and I struggled with it. And uh, the, the, the post-traumatic stress and the hardships that that brought in and of itself ruined my family. The choices that I made ruined my family from affairs after affair uh, to, you know, ultimate separation and actual divorce, um, you know, from my wife. And uh, at the end of that tunnel was um, attempted suicide. I actually attempted suicide in October uh, of 2008. And coming out of that, my wife came back and we decided we were going to do this together and we were going to figure it out. 
and we remarried in December of 08. So it was a crazy hectic year coming out of the army in 07 and going through all the struggles that we went through and spent years just battling and going through the counseling and trying to rebuild our lives. And here we are totally in love and happy and freedom, um, raising teenagers and absolutely loving all the options that are before us now in life that we just couldn't see before. And so for me, my purpose, again, come diving into this podcast is really kind of to help others kind of wade through the fog that life can bring sometimes and in order to get some clarity and some vision for yourself and your life and, and being able to pour that right back into your family. It's, it's super, super vital. So that's it kind of in a nutshell and some of the background. There's a whole lot more that I can dive into both on the health and wellness side to the trauma side and the war side, but we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll be diving into a lot of those types of topics down the line. What's your favorite movie? Oh gosh, that's hard to say. I know, you're not, I know you're not a movie person, so I had to ask you. Shoot. Depends on what category we're we talking about. <laughs> no category. Number one overall. Oh, man. Number one overall favorite movie. It's probably the Spice Girls. No. De- no. <laughs> no. That's a negative. <laughs> Gosh, guys. That, that's rough. Um, you know. Hmm. Braveheart. Braveheart. I'm shocked. (laughs) I'm not shocked, but I'm shocked. You know, because honestly, you know, if if I look at it, you know, I've got tons of movies I love that are comedies and the romantics and the dramas and the actions. But ultimately, to me, you get a little bit of all of that in Braveheart. That's how I I feel about my favorite movie. Which one is that? We we get to that here in a minute. How about that? Okay. If you guys want to ask me that one, that's fine. There you go. What what's, what's your favorite place you've ever visited favorite place that i've ever visited um i've been to four continents and gosh dozens of countries so for me that's that's a hard one to answer um what left a mark a good mark what left a good mark yeah germany i would say um my trip down there to Garmisch when we saw the new Schwanstein castle was, was massive. It was huge. It was a huge, beautiful scenery with the Swiss Alps right there. You can't beat it. You just can't beat it. But my, my time in Germany when I was in the army was, was um, a struggle. But when I look back, it was some of the best times too. And that, that place definitely left a mark on me. I'm just going to be simple. What's your favorite car, man? My favorite car. Mm, that's tough. Now, you see, you worded it as a car, so I'm going to leave the trucks to the side. Well, it doesn't matter. What's your favorite vehicle? My favorite vehicle? Honestly, right now, I would say um, Ford Super Duty, diesel, fully loaded, platinum. Right on. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then I, I guess I could say my, my next step would be uh, Harley-Davidson, of course. Right on. You shared one of those uh, – what was that? You shared on Facebook the other day that freaking SUV armored vehicle. It was the Ford. It was a Ford F450 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, some company totally rigged it. Yeah, it was basically a four, uh, an F450 platform that they basically made into an MRAP, basically. That was <laughs> awesome. That's pretty dope. I definitely want one of those. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Bill, you were looking like you were about ready to say something. So why uh. Just I, mean, go. I wasn't going to, but I just figured it was going to be a competition between me and you who goes next. So, so you had to be first. If you're not first, you're last. If you're not first, you're last. That's right. I mean, you can go, man. Go ahead. Do your thing, bro. 
All right, fine. Um, so as I said, I was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, my dad was a Cleveland police officer for 32 years. He just retired last year. So, uh, my parents divorced when I was at a really age. So I was, I grew up being competed over. Um, my dad actually won custody of me in, in the courts, which is very rare, rare. Yeah. But, uh, I grew up being competed over who can buy me better Christmas gifts, who can give me a better birthday, who can spend more time with me, who could spend more time doing more fun things with me. Um, I also had a really rough childhood in school because um, you all know me, nobody else here does, but you all know me. I am very, saying it kindly, I'm very exuberant. Um, I am loud, I am fast, I, I still have ADHD, had it as a kid, so I had a rough time dealing with that. Um, grew up, middle school, grade school was hard for me, but that's something we'll talk about in the future. Um, high school, I was, I played like half a year of football. And then I said, screw this uh, sports stuff. And I went to drama club and was in choir and I was performing arts. Um, got out of high school, joined the military. I went to the Marine Corps. Um, actually, funny story about that is, is according to my recruiter, I tested high enough to do any job I wanted to in the Marine Corps. And I'm like, no, I want to be a grunt. And he goes, no, you're not going to be a grunt. I'm like, I, I want to be a grunt. And he goes, you're not going to be a grunt. I'm like, dude, I'm joining the Marine Corps. I want to be part of the world's finest fighting force. I'm going to be a grunt. So he, he, he let me be a grunt. Um, in my time in the Marine Corps, like Jason said, I've been to, to dozens of countries. Like, I've been everywhere, man. Um, and, you know, as I said before, I've been to a lot of places, done a lot of things, and I'm dealing with all those things that I've done in all those places. Um, so I got, I got out of the Marine Corps. Uh, something kind of that I skipped, a very important step in my life. 19 years ago, I'm 30 years old. 19 years ago, I met my wife in summer camp as an 11 year old kid. Um, so we grew up together uh, while I was in the Marine Corps after between deployments. I married my wife. Uh, we've been married for nine years this year. So uh, it's kind of one of those things. She's always been one of those rocks in my life. Um, that was, man, I had to fight tooth and nail for this woman, but I got her. I got her but I'm still having to fight tooth and nail for her. So that's kind of one of those things that we're going to talk about in the future. Um, all right. So once I got out of the Marine Corps, I got out. A lot of the reason was because I didn't want to leave my wife anymore. So I got out and I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with my life. I started going to college. Um, and I'm like, screw it. I'm going to go be a cop like my dad was. I mean, they probably got the brotherhood that I'm, I'm missing. They probably got that sense of feeling and accomplishments that I'm missing from the military. So I became a cop. I was a cop for six years. Um, I needed to leave the job because it was not healthy for me. Um, that's the easiest way to put it. Mentally, it was not healthy for me. When I stopped being a cop over the next four months, I left, lost about 60 pounds. Um, it was not healthy for me. Um, so I was a stay-at-home dad for a while, and now I work uh, household management, private security. I've been a firearms instructor. I've been a gunsmith. I've sold purses for Louis Vuitton. Um, I've kind of done a lot of different jobs and done a lot of places and done a lot of things. So like I said before, man, I'm here to, you know, the biggest thing I've always struggled with since, you know, stuff that's happened to me is feeling that sense of value of myself. And therefore I've never felt valued from other people. So that's, that's why I'm here is, you know, I've started, I finally, thanks to the guys that are talking here tonight, I've finally started to feel a lot of value in myself and all I want to do is help other men value themselves and realize what they can do as men 
and be that alpha male. Before we go any further, you have to go back to where you said you used to sell Louis Vuitton. Like, <laughs> I've got to know all those details right there. <laughs> while, while I was in school, I was using my GI Bill, so I was getting a little bit of money, but it wasn't enough. It's never enough. So I started uh, working for a private security firm, another local private security firm, and one of their clients was the Louis Vuitton in the Cleveland area. So I was working private security at Louis Vuitton. Um, I'd only worked there three or four days a week. So me being kind of a sponge of learning things as I was standing there looking mean, um, I started soaking up the knowledge of the product and soaking up the stories and what products were where and what each product was. So a new manager came into the store and one night they got slammed. Like it was ridiculous and there was only two people working. So I kind of, I kind of helped a little bit, you know, I was running stuff back and forth. I was talking to clients, this, that, or another, and the next day, the manager's like, I will give you a dollar pay raise to come sell for us. <laughs> so I sold Louis Vuitton purses for three months before the police academy. Is nice. That's awesome. Favorite cargo? 69 Impala SS or, or a Devalro Custom Tundra. Favorite gun to shoot? Oh, shit. That's a hard one, man. All of them? <laughs> Does it have to be a gun or can it be a rocket launcher? Because I really miss my rocket launcher. Ooh, yes. Yes. Backbox area secure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go the opposite direction and let's talk about what would be the worst place you've ever been and why. Jordan. Um, so Jordan is kind of each side of the coin for me. I've been to parts of Jordan that were absolutely beautiful. Got to see Petra, you know, um, the, the city in the rock. But I also was in the middle of a Jordanian desert where if you've ever heard the term scorched earth, it was literally rock and dirt that was black for as far as the eye can see. And it was hot. And then at night it was windy and super cold. Like it was, it was insane. And you know, like I've been to Afghanistan people are like, Oh, it wasn't Afghanistan bad. Yeah, it was bad, but th there was literally nothing in the Jordanian desert. And it was, it was weird. My, uh, my buddy actually got, a. Uh, Agoraphobia, agoraphobia is the one where you're afraid of big spaces. Yeah, I think going out. I think that was the fear of going out. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, whatever the fear of big spaces is, he actually had like a full blown two day panic attack in the middle of the desert because mm. there was nothing around you. Wow. I'm about to find out what it is for you. I'm googling right now. Oh, Google that shit. Fear mm -hmm. of oh, I've never heard like fear of open spaces, huh? Yeah. Wow. Agoraphobia. I was right. Yeah. Agoraphobia. A fear of places and situations that might cause panic, helplessness, or embarrassment. Okay. Crazy. Okay. Yeah. So it was it was insane. Like I've got pictures, whatever, of the desert in Jordan and it's just black earth as far as the eye can see. Hmm. Right on. I bet it was beautiful at nighttime. No, because you couldn't see because the wind was too hot and the air was too cold. That's it was insane. Hmm. Outstanding. All right, Bill. All right, man. Here we go. Um, so um, I was born and raised in Owensboro, Kentucky. Uh, I was bred in anger. Um, my dad was not the kindest person in the world. And I was also taught very well by a liar. So with the anger and the lie, I was able to get through like, and be like Randall, as you'd say, and, and I could charm my way through life and, you know, make people 
believe me and make people like be my friends and then like, you know, whatever. Um, so, uh, I got my first job when I was like 14, uh, started working for, um, a, uh, what are they called? Landscaping company. And I sold trees and plants and, you know, was responsible for watering not today. Um, at the age of 17, uh, I was kicked out of my house. Um, and I moved in with my grandmother who I stayed with, uh, for my, the ending of, for the beginning and ending of my senior year. Um, and by that time, um, I'd already made the decision to join the army. And in 2004, when I graduated high school in May, um, I signed up for the army and shipped off to basic training in, um, August that same year. So I had what, four months of freedom before I went directly into the military. Um, and August 10th, 2004 and I was in the service until uh, February of 08. Uh, I actually PCS'd early with leave time um, when I got out of, when I got out of the service in 2008. Um, I spent a total of 15 months in the desert, uh, mainly Baghdad. Uh, I was a lead vehicle commander. Um, I manned a 50 cal machine gun overseas. I was always constantly above. I always saw the action no matter what. Uh, and like Jason and, and uh, Tom said, you, when you bring those home, uh, it's tough to live out. Um, the military ruined a marriage of mine, so I've been divorced um, as well. I um, still don't know what caused that, but I knew that it was time for that one to end. Um, and it did. So now I am married. Um, I just adopted my 12 year old, um, girl. Um, she was introduced to my wife now. Um, and honestly, you know, I fell, you know, I fell in love with Joe well before I fell in love with her mother. And I knew that, um, that I was not going to be able to heal on my own. So I kind of married into like an instant family, if you get what I'm saying, you know, so, like I got an instant family and it made me grow up because when I got home from the service, I was not in the best place in the world. I was self-medicating with all kinds of things that I probably shouldn't be self-medicating with. And um, so um, I met Megan, uh, Joe walked into my life and things kind of changed. Things went up to the up and up for the first time in a while. And um, my mindset started changing. Um, I, uh, started learning how to take that anger and hate and turn it into love. And it was, it was pretty cool to see that kind of transition because, uh, um, it was a really hard time loving myself when I got back. Um, and you know, even still, I still struggle with loving myself, but through watching my kids grow and, you know, listening to my wife talk, you know, it's kind of given me a perspective of like, man, like, you were put here for a reason and like, what is going on? Like, why do you, you know, I'm, I'm getting too far deep into it. We can get into this later, but, um, so yeah, like I've been married to Megan now for since 2013. Um, we have a beautiful little girl now, uh, Maggie, she's three years old. Um, and she is biologically mine. And, um, other than that, like, it's just, I'm here to just figure it out. I don't have it figured out. I don't know. I don't have it figured out. 
these three men that are in this room with me right now or in this podcast with me right now are, are teaching me. And that's exactly why I'm here because I am a sponge and uh, I want to be a sponge because I want to be easily mentored because I, I don't want to be, I, I want to be the best version of myself. So that's why I'm here. Let's uh, let's just all be glad that all four of us are not stuck in that closet right now. Right. Amen. Yeah. I've, I've got it all figured out. So nut to butts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's right when it's tight, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my drill sergeants always said when we got to stack it up in these cattle trucks to get yes. ready to go to another range yeah, there's, there's always, so it's right when it's tight private get in there get in there yeah. yes. there's always room for one more that's what right on in the cave stays in the cave yep all right now right, we can't so, we can't let bill go without the questions so bill what's your favorite food oh man like come on bro oh, i put like, that one right home didn't i all right so I love sandwiches, cold cut sandwiches, man. Like, <laughs> sandwiches. you just talked about that on Marco too, man. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> like, there is nothing better than getting like a freaking sandwich from like Jimmy John's or what. We are not getting paid by Jimmy John's. I have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but there is nothing like you know getting a sandwich and like that. The works are on it. And it's just awesome, it's dude. You favorite. were talking about the the ham and cheese loaf. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's disgusting you don't want to eat that stuff anymore i grew up on that stuff i grew up poor so we we have this place over by us it's in a little area called coventry it's called grums legitimately the best subs i've ever had oh hell yeah man yeah bro so uh next question what's your favorite band oh you got mine Shit. uh favorite band definitely is got to be incubus oh Ooh. good job Yep. Incubus is my favorite band. Favorite band that I want to see in concert that I haven't seen in concert yet? Tool. Bro. Really? Yep. Bro. I, I introduced my daughter to Tool today for the first time, and she was headbanging in her car seat. I was so happy. <laughs> I think they got a new song out. No, they come out with a new album in October. And they're okay. touring. They're touring. They're touring again. Yep. So, yeah. Maybe we'll all get together for a Tool concert. That sounds good. All I know from Tool is. Sounds like Michael Jackson, bro. It, it kind of does. But... Okay. I was about to say Annie, right? In the sound of a window, and it struck you. Oh, man. All right, one more for Bill, though, because you, you, yeah, you asked this Bill. question for everybody. What's your favorite car, bro? 1967 Mustang GT500. Crystal clear on that one, Emmy. Yes, he I am crystal clear. That truck, that car is amazing, and I will own one one day, along with the '77 Ford F100. You know, nice. All right, so something else that we all got to talk about here, so people get to know us more. So everybody in this group here is a dad. Right? Yes, we all we talk are. about having children and all that kind of stuff. Now, in the in the terms of numbers, I have one. Jason, you have two, right? Yep. Bill, you have three. Two. I thought you had three. Why did I think you had? Oh, Randall's got five. Man, five, how, bro. How do you know do how that? that works? Right. Mm, having no cable. <laughs> That's about all. Like. Yes. And we put the kids to bed at seven. So there you go. <laughs> That'll do it every time. When you put the kids down at seven, there's a lot in between seven and ten thirty that just. 
So just just so everybody knows, how many kids did you have before the affair? Three. So they, she had two actually, more with them. So two, means actually, it was two and Carden, the, my son was, uh, she was pregnant with Carden. She was in the belly? She, he was in the belly, yeah. So, I mean, the, proof right there that Randall actually did something good in repairing his relationship because she still had more kids with him. Exactly. Right on, man. Right, right. Yep. Amen right. to that. Mm. A lot of triggers going through, the, get through that, but yeah. So let's yeah. do a little, let's do a little roundabout. What, what, um, what, what's important about being a dad to you? Mm. Randall, why don't you kick it off? Uh, being present. Um, so like there's this new thing that I just read, I read an article, uh, this week called fubbing. <laughs> Bro. Tom, I think you, you, you got it. And, uh, it's this, uh, idea that like, you know, we're always in our phones, you know, and we're always looking at social media and when our kids want us, we don't actually look at them. We actually are looking at our phones. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah go, yeah. go fix some water. Go fix oh, some that's, water. That's great. That's awesome. And, and instead of like putting our phones down and being present, that's, th- it's the toughest thing to do. Um, for some, for some, you know, I think some, some of us don't have a problem. I've got a friend of mine who's like, you know, if you need me, I'll be weeding in the backyard, you know, or if, if you need me, I'll be in my front yard. Uh, don't tweet me. Don't <laughs> message me. Don't j- just, just come to my front yard. I'll be out there drinking a beer. So, uh, but yeah, so that, that's for me, like as being a dad, it's just being present with my kids and giving them experiences and stuff like that. So, so the interesting thing about the whole fubbing thing, sorry, I kept trying to cut you off. I just had something to spit out. Okay. Something that I've actually been, that's something I've been working on recently is being more present, you know, and I'm not just talking about with kids. I'm just talking about in life in general. So I just went to gold retreat and we were at the St. Marie's farm in Idaho and I took a couple pictures, but other than that, man, I was just standing there staring out at nature and just breathing everything in. Cause I'm trying, I'm trying to be more present. It's not only grounding and it not only smells good. And like you pull, you get off the bus in that place and you're like, <sighs> kind of thing. But like, it just, it's true, man. Get off your phone for a little bit, go out in the woods, go out and do something, get off your phone, be yep. with your kids. It's hard to do. It's become an attachment. Yep. Okay. So, Everybody here, I know it's in arm reach. Whose phone is not in arm reach? Anybody here not have a phone in arm's reach? Oh, Bill. Bill, where's your phone at? In my, you. in my bedroom. Ah, I'm proud hey. of you. Good job. All right, so, Bill, what's important to you about being a dad? Uh, to, I want to be uh, – I haven't been the best at it, but I want to be, like, the best example for my kids, like – you know, they, they're going to grow up and they're going to see how I raise them. And that's how they're going to create a And that's how they're going to re- do their marriage. And my actions affect that generation. And if my actions are terrible, their actions are going to be terrible. If my actions are good and loving and caring, their actions are going to be good, loving and caring. So I just want to be the best example as I can. And, you know, I don't have it. <laughs> I don't have it down at all right now. You know, like, that's why I'm here. Uh, that's why I'm with you guys. And, you know, so I'm learning and, and doing what I can to be the best example as possible I can for them. 
What's like one it. good thing you do, for example, for them? Mm, let's see do you here. Not cuss in front of them. Do you watch less? You TV? cook really good food. I do. I cook. I cook really good food a lot. I love to cook. Um, I haven't gotten away. I'm an I'm an army grunt. You know. I mean the 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 cuss words roll out of my mouth. You know. It's just really tough to stop that. You know. Like uh, I. I love their mom hard and they see it. Um, I love them hard. Uh, I tell both of them that they're my favorite in secret. So that way they think that they're, they're my favorite, you know, like Maggie, I'll pull her aside. Hey, you're my favorite. And then Joe, I'll come hold her in tight. I'm like, Hey, you're my favorite. You know, like I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, breed an atmosphere of more love than hate and anger, you know? So that's, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to be that same situation, you know, growing up and hating my dad, and you know, I want. I want them. I want. If Joe wants to live in my house until she's twenty-four years old, oh hell no, eighteen years hell old. Hell no. Bye. Oh. Yeah. oh. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I, I I know she won't. I know she won't do it because she's misindependent, and that's cool. I'm raising her to be that way. Um. She Joe is going to be a world changer, and and you know if whatever I can do to to facilitate her voice and whatever I'm going to do it. You know, if that's me stopping cussing, stopping drinking, whatever. You know, I'll do it. So you brought up a good point, or a good a good like. I remember a time when my cousin and I were we were, and I I was spending the night with my cousin, and he's like, "Hey, go ask." Go ask my mom who's her favorite, you or me. And I remember going up, I was like, it's my Aunt Margie. And I was like, Aunt Margie, who's your favorite, me or Heath, which is my cousin, her son. So go, oh, of course it's you, honey. <laughs> and, and and Heath was in the background. I knew it, mom. I knew it. That's so funny. <laughs> That makes me question if I'm actually my grandma's favorite or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, me too, because my grandmother like voiced it to me all the time. You're my favorite. You know, she always held me. She always coddled me too. Um, but it was, it was okay. I was, I was the baby of the family. I was the last one that Granny got. You know, so, I was. I am the. I was the uh, first male. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. I like it. What about you, Jason? What's important about being a dad for you, brother? Man, he's teenage age. Like he's already passed all that important stuff. No, dude, it's 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 even more so important now. I'll be honest (laughs) with you guys. Like, um, all right. So for me, my perspective is the fact that I look back at my past and and the way I grew up. I saw and experienced the things that I don't want and didn't want to do as a dad myself. So for me, my inner mission, so to speak with raising my girls with my wife has been to give them the example of what things should be like and what they can be like. And like still to this day, I'll, I'll be kissing on my wife with my girls in the, in the living room or whatever. And be like, hold on girls, I'm living on your mama. Cause ultimately at the end of the day, my girls need to see what it's like to have a man love a woman properly. And for them to be able to see that in my marriage with their mama gives them the ability to see what that could look like for them in their lives. Because I don't want them to ever have to go through the level of experiences that I did growing up and, and seeing all the things that you hate about 
you know, your family or, or, or your dad or whatever the case may be. And I want them to be able to see, Hey, my dad gave me the best example of what a dad should be. And that's, that's kind of what I see as the most important aspect of, of being a dad. Right on, man. Hell yeah. Very similar to me. Mm-hmm. You see that situation and you don't want that situation to keep going. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's got the buck stops with me. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so where are you at? Are you at the like, get my kids out of the house or like you don't care if they stay for a while? My girls are 14 and 15 right now. So for me, um, we've, my wife has done probably the most phenomenal job. And of course I'm biased at homeschooling our girls. Uh, they've got basically a semester left and they're graduated. And so for me, um, in my girls, they, we've raised them to be smart, entrepreneurial, spirited, um, go get them, uh, type girls and very independent. They have a, a powerful and amazing voice. So, I know full well that when the time comes, they're going to, they're going to leave the flock. No problem, but they will always have a home and they know that. And for me, I always wanted them to know that this is their safe camp. Like no matter what happens in life, they can always come home. And so for me, um, it doesn't matter if they leave at 22 or, or 18 or whatever the case may end up being, but they're independent and strong enough to know that they can go out into the world and fight it and win it. Uh, but they've got a base camp they can always come home to. So hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about, man. There Damn, I love you, Jason. <laughs> you I just, love you, Bill. <laughs> you have so you have such a good way with words. You know that, bro. You too, and you too. You know, it's funny because right now you're on the left side of my screen. You're both wearing a red shirt, and you're talking about love, loving on your wife. Yeah, man. Kids, like, Wait, why are they on the left side of your screen? Well, I mean, with the with the way the squares are laid out on my screen. <laughs> <laughs> Don't confuse Randall. It's going to be okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, what about you, Tom? I mean, so for me, like, just because it's it's been so important for me in recent time, um, just teaching my daughter to respect herself enough that I don't have to be worried in the future. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have to be worried about her hooking up with random dudes all the time because I'm going to teach her to respect herself and love herself enough that she's not going to do that. My daughter, uh, we make a joke. We call her our feral child because um, she's wild, dude. Like, she is crazy. She goes out in the backyard barefooted in her underwear to pick up worms. That's my kid, right? It's amazing. I I love it because like yeah. for me when I was when I was like going through puberty, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen through fifteen years old, like man, I would I would go out in the middle of the woods in a pair of shorts, no shoes, no shirt, and just go out and explore and climb trees and all that kind of stuff. Red rider BB gun on your hip? Nope, nothing. Just my bare hands. I, li- I grew up in Ohio, so I don't have to worry about, like, the big hunting animals. So we're good on that. But uh, Bill, remember, he was a Marine, so he, he's got to get his hands dirty. Yeah, I get it. The knife hand is the deadliest weapon in the world. <laughs> um, no, but, I mean, again, for me, it's just it's, it, it's important. I only have one right now, but it's going to be the same for the second one. And if I keep saying my daughter, whatever. It's important enough to raise my – it is the most important to raise my children with enough self-respect and self-worth and self-value that I'm not worried as they grow up because I know they're going to respect themselves and they're going to feel value in themselves and they're going to feel worthy for whatever might come their way. And I want them to know that if there's a stumbling block, they always got daddy here for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, I, I mean, with my parents fighting over me growing up, I, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want that whatsoever. I just, I want my kids to be loved. I don't want them like the first time I saw my parents ever have physical contact 
was when I was 18 years old and graduated Marine Corps boot camp. The day of my graduation. Was, was that good physical contact or bad physical contact? So, there, I, I don't remember any of that because I was three years old. Okay. <laughs> so, but I, I mean, I was 18 years old graduating Marine Corps boot camp. That's the first time I saw my real parents hug. Mm, man. So, that's what it is with me. Respect, <laughs> worth, and value. Right on, man. End of that. All mm. right. So, do you, I mean, this is the first episode. We're at about an hour right now. Eh, a little bit under an hour. Not uh, bad. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Huh. I think yeah. we're able to hit hit it pretty good as far How as... How do we want to finish it? Hey, Bill. Yo. Time for the Mad Minute. Give us a rant. Oh, man. I can't do a rant right now, man. I can't do a rant right now. You're going to have to forgive me. I'm, you are forgiven. I was just joking. About that. I might have one. I oh. might have one in there. All right. So just for continue to talk, I'll, 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 I think I got one in there. All right. So you want me to wait to introduce? No, just keep this? going. Just keep going. Yeah. What are we talking about now? I mean, <laughs> we got to finish it up somehow. Yeah, we we can wrap it up. So look, look, guys. Pretty much what we're all talking about here is loving on ourselves enough to love on each other, and love on our families, our spouses, our children, our friends. Um, you know, that there's, there's like that classic saying about what, uh, live in peace, but always be prepared for war. Right. I once heard some great words. Can't remember who said them, but it was talking about veterans specifically. And I think it applies to everybody. Most of our lives, I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase and kind of make it, make it my own because most of our lives, we grew up defending ourselves. We grew up wanting to fight people. We want, we grew up wanting to argue. We never took the time to learn to be at peace. So it's kind of one of those things, man, if we want peace, we got to learn how to be at peace. So mm. sound like a total hippie right now, bruh. Yeah, man. <laughs> totally, dude. <laughs> but nah, that's, man. that's good, dude. Like for real, like I can't remember the last time I've actually felt true peace. You know, if that's what, that's so, what if that's what this group does for me, then I'm in, man. You know? We're just a regular group of messed up good men. Yes, we are. We are. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Regular is that we, is that is that what we're Yeah. So Reg some, men, regular messed up men. Regular uh, messed up good men good men. Good man. Great man. Good, great man. Great man. Yes. Yeah. Just good that good word. We're great. No, great. Great man with no excuses to do what it takes to be real men. I mean, yeah. for real though, no bullshit. We want to be good men. Yeah. We want to be better yeah. men. We want to be great men. And then on top of all of that, we want to link arms with everybody else that's listening and, and let's all be great men together and change mm. the world. By the time this podcast is up, there will be a Facebook group called Era of Alpha. If you are a man and you are listening to us, we want you in that group. Okay. The Era of Alpha, we are the alpha male of the pack. We lead our families, we lead our tribes. And I mean, we're here to make ourselves better and help you get better in the, in the meantime. So, is that it for now, gents? I think that's it. Um, More coming at you all soon. Thank you for listening. You all have a wonderful evening. <laughs>